Hi there, Peg. Hi. We are uh, continuing our lockdown podcast. How have you been? Mm, next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not actually, actually, I am starting to like lockdown. Yeah? Mm. Why, why is that? And uh, I'm starting to get quite comfortable and uh, I kind of don't want it to end. Oh, you see, I, I, I can't wait to get out there. I can't wait to get to... Uh, I don't know, be able to go to gigs. I think, I, I think the amount of bands that have said that, oh, we've uh, moved our, we, we've moved our concerts back to November, uh, and, and November is going to be the busiest month of, ever, ever for gigs. Everybody has rescheduled their concerts for November, you know, from small, medium. I, I don't think you can get a venue uh, in November at the moment. So, you know, whilst I'm looking to get out there, just think about all the festivals we've missed, all the live music we missed. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of missing that side, really. But you're, you're sort of coping through it, you know, at the moment. Mm, yeah, I am, amazingly. I mean, I wasn't at the beginning, and now I've settled into it. A friend of mine actually said to me the other day, she said, do you want to come over to where she lives one evening and we'll go for a socially distanced walk and have a picnic? And I've had to say, I don't know if I can cope with a night out. It's too much. <laughs> Too much a socially distancing picnic is way beyond what you can do. Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing to sort of get my uh, work my way through the lockdown, which which um, died. I nearly died for my art, which is I I, uh, I fell out of our loft while hunting for seven inch and twelve inch singles. Yeah, you in, you injured yourself quite badly, I, didn't you, Phil? It did. And the worst part was, uh, and I'm holding it up so you can see it. I was holding on to a Human League 12-inch four-track signal called the Dignity of Labour, parts one to four, that also has one, a, a flexi-disc of Phil Oakey talking about their, their tour, and I'm holding up the flexi-disc that just says Fast uh, 7. Can you, just, uh, can you just wiggle that a bit for a bit of sound effects? That's the wiggle of a flexi-disc, which, which if you played it would be Phil Oakey talking. But the... Uh, I had this in my hand, and what happened was, uh, as I went, uh, as I clammed down the ladders, the ladders give way, so I fell through the ladders. But at the same time, I was holding on to the, my vinyl for, for sort of dear life, and I, I think I put jokingly, whilst it was, wasn't quite my final moment, it was my vinyl moment. <laughs> I, I held on for dear life to my Human League Dignity of Labour parts one to four, which would have been my, my epitaph. But the reason I was doing that was that over uh, on a weekend, I found a, a sort of Twitter feed as a guy, Andrew, uh, Andrew French. He's put, and basically, what we do <clears throat> is he just puts out a request for Saturday singles and single Sunday. And for example, on single Sunday, what happens is that people will post the seven inch singles or 12 inch singles that they are listening to, and it starts a discussion. So, for today's beauty. We ended up talking about, amongst other things, Joe Jackson, which is why we had the uh, opening track of Joe Jackson being played. And I, I found an EP of Joe Jackson's, uh, the Joe Jackson band, that was priced by Ray's Melody uh, Shop, which I think I bought this in Norwich for 25p. I, I've still got the labels on them. But we ended up having a really in-depth discussion because one of the singles I posted was the Altered Images single, Change of Heart. And... and the, this was the final Altered Images an, um, album, Bite, and it was an absolute classic. It was eight. It was only eight tracks, and it was lots of sort of three-minute sort of uh, versions. But it's produced by Tony Visconti. 
And um, Claire Grogan went through her Audrey Hepburn phase. So if we have a little bit of that, that would be really good. beauty and I, I, I remember I, I sort of dug out because that's what happens you start a sort of thread of discussions so the album went for class with a quartet of additional backing vocals adding depth and warmth to the proceedings and largely succeeded in every in respect that was short it's sort of just eight tracks but this guy was saying yeah he thought he loved it it was sheer perfection eight tracks every one of them a gem what, so he, when, what time scale are we looking at for this album we then? are looking at for this because it was their third album i think it was 1983 it was and she dressed like audrey hepburn she did she went very classy unfortunately he didn't sort of sell a great deal uh, and sort of uh, the demise of altered images demise of altered images came about with their third album and this album but it's some beautifully, beautifully crafted songs. Don't talk to me about love. I love to start and change your heart was the, the, the track that we just played. But every week we, we, we sort of end up on, on sort of uh, talking about, you know, just piece of music and get into discussions. We also today talked about the police and the, uh, the initial track fallout, which is the, uh, the police track I'm holding up at the moment. And that was, this was the, the police uh, group that, that had and didn't have Andy Summers, but in fact had Henry Padovani. And this track was re-released when the police with, um, with the Andy Summers version started making hits. And, and the version I've got was, um, was sort of uh, almost re-released to try and make a quick book. And the single cover that I've got is slightly different from the original one that came out. But this was, um, this was had Henry Padovani on guitar as well as Stuart, Stuart Copeland and Sting. I think, I think you know, we... So that's uh, Sting without the ridiculous Jamaican accent. That's it. Yeah, that, yeah, that was their first album, the first one, well, the first single released, and it didn't did, um, didn't become a hit, but it, it became a sort of underground hit after the sort of first two normal, uh, you know, hits. I can't stand losing you and Roxanne and all those things. But yeah, and, and they booted out Henry Henry Padovani, who um, went on to form the the, the, the sort of. Uh, Rather daft, but uh, but uh, and didn't get anywhere. A band called the Flying Padavanis, who I still support the Pretenders. But he was. Uh, but just all these discussions just start out by people posting, you know, singles covers. So I was posting Joe Jackson. I posted World uh, World Party. Uh, that was the guy. Uh, it was oh god, what's his name? He wrote with. He wrote all the stuff for um, for Robbie Williams. And it's produced by Carl Wallinger. What, well, so Guy Chambers? Yeah, I'm sure he was involved in, he was involved in World Party, I'm quite sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we just sort of, talk, we just ended up talking about that. We talked about Blancmange, that's love that it is. 
and the 12 inch version of the Blumange that's love that it is uh, it, track it's got some really good mixes Blumondra going back on tour, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, I say they're going back on tour. They were due to go back on tour. I think, um, I think they're, they're one band that is booked for November at the uh, wardrobe in Leeds, I believe, yeah, because that's what they were playing originally. I know, because yeah. I mean, I'd love to go. I'd love to go and see Blumondra. I have to say. Actually, talking that, um, I was supposed to be going uh, next week, I think, to see the Pet Shop Boys in Newcastle. Oh, God. Uh, and that, of course, that's not happening. It's really interesting. I saw Pet Shop Boys um, live supporting Take That. So when was Take That's mass, massive tour? When was that massive tour? It was... Oh, God. That would have been about... That would have been about six, 10 years ago, I'd say. Seven years ago, something like that? Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I, I went to the Wembley shows with uh, Pet Shop Boys supporting. That's right. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I went to the Stadium of Shite, as we call it, here, uh, in Leeds, um, up in Sunderland. Sunderland! Um, Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, I mean, wasn't there some something that something like every every third adult in the UK went to that tour or something? There was some kind of crazy. It was. It was some crazy figure, like you know, some crazy statistic like that. And I have to say, I mean, I don't know. Would you agree with me? I was blown away by take that on that gig. I just, you know, it was one of the best gigs I've been to. They were brilliant. They they were really good. I think I think Pet Shop Boys were great and, and seeing about seven or eight. I think they did about seven or eight numbers, didn't they? Finished with yeah, well, that's the thing. So I've okay. So despite being a bit of an electro girl, okay, I mean I've never been that massive a Pet Shop Boys fan. I'll be honest. You know, I'm not saying that I dislike them, but you know, and over you know, I used to like I want a dog, um, and there was. Um, the, the album introspection was it introspection when the one that had uh, left to my own devices at the start I, I liked that album you know but I've never been a massive massive pet shop boys fan but and and I've and when I heard they were supporting them one one I thought this is so weird because obviously pet shop boys such a massive selling band and now they're the support act but I thought what are they going to be like live because obviously one of them is stuck behind the keyboard and doesn't do anything. And the other one, the singer, well, he, one, he doesn't sing and he doesn't move. But actually, they were brilliant and I loved every minute of them and they were great. Oh, they were, yeah, yeah, totally. It, it, was, it was a really good, uh, it was a really good night. I remember it well. We, we saw the Wembley, one of the Wembley Stadium gigs and we were sat side on. So we were sort of just, um, the only thing that didn't work being side on was that when uh, Take That did the flood, you know, when all the water came down, if you remember it, we couldn't see any of that because we were virtually side on. However, we did see Robbie Williams walking round backstage because we could see Bob backstage to do his bit where we would sort of shoot and shoot on and come on. And I think he did. I think he did let me entertain you. He did. So that was the thing that was so great. So you started off when it was just the kind of the four of them. They did some, oh, I don't know what's going on there. We've got a little bit of... Uh, interference going on so they did some of the songs the modern stuff where it was just the four of them and then it was robbie's turn to come on wasn't it and so the the intro to do 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 to let me entertain you and i'm not kidding he, he must he probably did this because you know it's all choreographed but he walked on with the most arrogant look on his face flicking the v's going come on come on like <laughs> <laughs> and he stood at the bar, literally like, come and have a go, do you know what I mean? And um, and it was marvellous. It was just brilliant. And the second he came on that stage, just everything was electrified. Yeah. Hey, hey, 
And it, the funny thing was, just by you forgot what a, a big part of take that he was. Because we, we were just prior to just starting this podcast, we were a family quiz. And one of the questions was, when did Robbie first leave um, Take That? And it was 1995, would you believe? I couldn't believe it was that long ago. Because he went off and, and did the uh, bit with... Um, the first thing he did after leaving was he went to stay, He became mates with Oasis, didn't he? And he stood side on, I think, when they did Nebworth. You know, they, they tried to get him on stage and then Liam fell out with him and called him that fan dancer from Take That or whatever. But... But Robbie on those sort of talk, you know, those sort of gigs was just, uh, yeah, he was incredible when he sort of came back. But yeah, going back to take uh, to uh, Pet Shop Boys, I was watching their show a couple of nights ago on, on Sky Arts, the, the, the live concert. It was Royal Opera House, and they looked brilliant again live. You forget. And I mean, do you remember their second single, "Love Comes Close"? Uh, is it "Love Comes Quickly"? The second single they released. No, love is it? Love comes quickly. Love comes. Love comes. Whatever you. That's yeah. One of my favourite ever sort of track. You know, there's a sort of big twelve-inch version of that where it slowly builds in, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful piece of music. It was sort of underrated because it came straight after West End Girls, and then all their hits. But love comes quickly. It's just a, there's some beautiful mixes. I tell you what, when I saw them live, they kicked off with this one, which I've never really rated. But when they did it live, God, it was great. I've got a couple of Robbie stories, actually. I've met oh, Robbie. Do you know what? We've never, we've never talked about the Robbie stories, have we? No, I think it's time to hear the Robbie stories. I've I, got... met, I met Robbie. Um, I met him at a festival. So um, we were hoping another friend was going to join us tonight on the podcast, and he couldn't. And uh, he took me to... Uh, I think it was... I think it was the Leeds Fest before it became like it is now, when it was... Yes. A freebie, and yeah. it was at was it a freebie? No, it wasn't a freebie, but it was at Temple Newsom, and it Temple Newsom, yeah, because I saw yeah I saw Pulp and Blur because yeah, I yeah, got in, but that's another story, yeah, yeah, yeah. On. So um, and playing at this festival was so uh, this friend Eddie was going to join us tonight, um, was but he couldn't. One of uh, this a very very good friend of Eddie's is a, a DJ called Justin Robertson. Do you know Justin and? Um, yeah, so, and Eddie's known Justin since they were at, they were at uh, university together in Manchester in the 90s, right? Late 80s, early 90s. Of course, Justin, you know, big, successful DJ. Um, so I've sort of known Justin off and on all those years since Eddie lived in a, a, a student house of him. And uh, Justin had a big hit with a band called Lion Rock. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, it was an absolutely massive, massive hit. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it on here. Uh, I'm just looking for it. Um, and um, we we went to, the, and, and Justin was playing the festival, so we, we went. And uh, when we were backstage, Robbie was there. And um, so we got introduced to Robbie, and we met him. Well, do you know what? I can't really remember. <laughs> because I wasn't really that, I, I hadn't seen him live at that point. Right, and just being a bit too old for take that. Do you know what I mean? Right, um, 
it was only when I saw Robbie live that I realized what a genius and what a superstar he was. And so, actually, it washed over me. Can you believe <laughs> And I can't, I can't really remember much about him. But a couple of other Robbie stories. Um, one that I really liked. So when he had that Oasis phase, you know, like so after he left Take That, didn't he? He, started, he went to Glastonbury and he was around all the festivals. Actually, I think I might have met him backstage at Glastonbury as well because I had my uh, one Glastonbury experience which involved being uh, around and about backstage as well. But So he, he went off, didn't he? And he started kind of doing, you know, getting being quite wild and hanging around with Oasis and everything. And um, the, the record company reputedly were about to drop him, right? This is just before Rangers came. So he did older when I old when I die, and uh, I'm just trying to think. Well, he did freedom, didn't he? He did um, yes. a cover of that. We did, yes. But um, yeah, so by all accounts, until Angels came out, that he, he was pretty much he was very close to being dropped. And there's a brilliant, brilliant quote from someone in the record company when they were talking about what had gone wrong with Robbie, because obviously they put loads of money into signing him and everything. And there's this brilliant quote, and he said. Uh, we genuinely thought we were signing the next George Michael and we soon discovered we'd signed the next George Formby. Turn <laughs> <laughs> that nice again. That was such a great quote, such a great quote. But the other Robbie story is that I used to uh, know someone, he kind of, um, an actor, um, and I, I mean, I haven't seen him for years and years, um, and I sort of, he used to, he used to do a lot of shows for my brother-in-law's uh, company, he was the main actor in a lot of those shows, and I used to hang around with a lot of people who were all part of the group of actors yeah. and everything, um, and he was the original Robbie, and take that. Mm. So um, uh, he was selected to be in Take That and uh, he had to go and live in a house with them all and uh, he decided it wasn't for him and he left and he was replaced by Robbie. And I think last time I saw him was on some, last time I saw him on telly, uh, he was playing a drunk. <laughs> oh, God. Well, would you dare? I, I mean, know. Uh, I know, like yeah, the, the sort of old Robbie story. I remember seeing uh, seeing Mark going backstage. Uh, it was a party in the park. We made you aware, and I was involved in sort of running the catering. Would you believe? So we met McFly. We met a few other people. And that was quite a laugh. But yeah, saw a little uh, little sort of Mark going, and again, where you say, I just sort of wave, but I didn't spend any time with it because you sort of thought, oh, it's only just sort of you know, like. Mark Owen, what does he? And now they're sort of back in it, back in with it. And, and again, I think it was only last start on Sky, they were showing their last tour, the uh, 2017 one, um, live. And one of the things that, that cracks me up, uh, and, and I've been looking at it over the weekend, about seven or eight years ago, I saw, I, I love 10CC from the 70s, and the two of them went to our um, grammar school, and uh, they even used the grammar school theme, Delapses Research, and when I fall, I shall rise. In in one of their um, one of their songs, and Graham Goldman's great. You know, no milk for uh, no milk today. From he wrote stuff for uh, bus stop for Hollies. He wrote, you know, he was involved in Wax with uh, Andrew Gold. You know, building a bridge of heart, which has got the best opening ever, where they sort of do the opening, then they pause, and then they go. And and so I've always had a love for sort of ten cc, and so and we went to see them. And they introduced one of the guys who was with them. And in this tent, he was in the Millennium Square. 
But there must have been just 250 people that were so badly promoted. The guys promoted it, they had a weekend, it went bust, I believe, the, these guys. But <clears throat> they introduced this guy who was playing with them, because it was Graham Gullman plus others. And he said, oh, this is Mike Stevens. And, and Mike is the musical director for Take That. And does wow. And, and he's, he looks great. And, and I was watching him again last night, because he always introduced Mike Stevens. And he's there with a sort of black T-shirt. He's a lot older than me, but he's... he's really looks cool and he does all the musical direction gets them all together and does it so that was one of his jobs being in 10 cc part-time was another job what he's also in as well is he's the sidekick to jeff lynn and he's in jeff lynn's elo so what a sort of gig this guy mike stevens what a talented musician that you can go from one thing to another yeah yeah. and of course elo just had a massive resurgence i'm gonna uh, put on a bit of a track here and it's not it's actually kind of it's covering a few bases because it's actually Noel Gallagher. She taught me how to fly, right? Because we started off talking about Oasis there, but it's the Justin Robertson remix. So we can view, and I think it's a. Uh, it sounds kind of quite um, like uh, New Order. There we go. That's covering a few bases because we haven't had any Take That or Robbie to play. So brilliant! I've never heard of that. First. I've never heard that. Oh, um, listen, it's great. It gets really, really, it gets really fast. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of that. That's that, That's the mood. But oh, it's great. Really great. Love it. Because I'm a big fan of um, of uh, of no, that album. That and I can't remember yeah. its name. So what's it? Fly Me to the Moon. Who who stole the moon? Who? What's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the actual album called? Uh, something to the moon. Some at moon. I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's my favourite album of not last year, the year before. It really was, and who'd who'd have thought that I would ever say those words? But it was, um, yeah. So there you go. That, that's a great remix. Oh, totally, mm. totally. It, it sounds a little bit new order. And Peter Hook's been. I was listening to an interview with Peter Hook yesterday because he's been they've been redoing the sort of Joy Division sort of set, yeah, sessions. And another thing, going linking both Peter Hook and uh, 10CC, Tim Burgess of the Charlatans has been doing his listening parties. Have you heard about that? No. Tim what they've been Burgess do- on Twitter, obviously, uh, of the Charlatans, uh, has been listening parties. And it's been great. And he did one during the week of 10CC, and he was talking about how he never realised that these lads, he, he listened to this piece of music, he said, you know, somewhere in sort of into public. He listened to this music, he couldn't believe these lads were from Manchester, where he was born. And he did one again uh, a couple of nights ago with Peter Hook and, um, with, around Joy Division. And the because it was the anniversary of the album, and it was the anniversary of Ian Curtis, and Peter Hook had, uh, had been to uh, Ian Curtis's grave that day or whatever. But Tim Burgess had been doing some brilliant listening parties right the way through this sort of lockdown. So it's just, you know, of people together, they come in, they comment, they listen to an album together, they comment to it. So these, you know, getting through the lockdown, I, I talked about the, uh, you know, Saturday singles and single Sunday is one way. Tim Burgess's listening party has been another brilliant way of getting through the, uh, the sort of lockdown. He's just been, you know, and, and he just picks different sort of uh, subjects and then he's sort of off. 
So he's been, you know, looking at different sort of uh, bands, different sort of people. And, and it's been really sort of fun just sort of working the way through it. So that, that's a sort of another way. Um, so, yeah, and he's doing Pale Green Ghost as well with John Grant, it, it, almost as we sort of speak about to do it. So just, yeah, look out for Tim Burgess as a listening party. It's, it, it's another way of getting me through the lockdown. Mm. Have you, um, what, what else have you been doing to just get you through the lockdown, really? Because I've got a couple of other things. Do you know what? My world has got so small and I am so boring. Oh. <laughs> so really, not very much at all. And I, I'm kind of shocked because I like to think I don't have a little world, right? I like to think I'm one of the people who has a big world and quite a big life. And I'm shocked at how comfortable I've got with this tiny little life so quickly. So I'm not the right person to ask me. I mean, I've, I've worked, I've worked really hard. Uh, I've been doing all sorts of work, but, but, but not much, not much of fun. I've not even done that much binge watching telly either. No, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of telly, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm sort of quite surprised. I'll tell you, tell you what I have been sort of uh, watching, and it's through sort of people that are on, on, on Facebook. There's been some lovely uh, little acoustic sessions that people have been doing. Uh, and there's a sort of a friend of mine who's just lovely stuff, Rosalie Dayton, who I might have mentioned previously. And Rosalie's been doing, you know, like three or four, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, little acoustic sessions on Facebook and Instagram. And she, uh, you know, she, she uh, she's a guy, she's a girl, she was in a, a, a band that toured supporting Elton John all over the world. She's, she, you know, written with sort of various musicians. And she... Uh, She's been doing some lovely stuff, and she's great because she, she every now and again in her uh, in, in her voice you hear a little bit of Barnsley. So that you like, she, she's got a lovely track, and she's uh, uh, and she sort of calls love or whatever. She says love, so you get a really sort of Yorkshire to it. But she's been doing a loads of stuff. Uh, our, our friends, the Dunwells, who we've mentioned previously, mm. they've been doing acoustic sessions sort of every night at six o'clock. And I think the guys, the brothers, could finally meet up. Sort of, I think it was this week for the first time. So that's been lovely. Um, and a singer, Lucy May Walker, who I know, she's been some really nice sort of acoustic sessions. So there are some brilliant things out there to sort of help you get, you know, almost get you through. And I, I, it's quite nice and it's personal because you can comment on the uh, on the tracks, you can sort of listen to it, mm. you, you, you feel you're sort of sharing it. You do actually, because on a Friday night, I often watch Mick Artistic Live. And oh, yes. I, yes. Watch, I watch Mick Artistic Live, followed by Larry and Paul Live. Uh, Larry yes. and Paul went majorly viral last week with a, sketch, the, with a sketch about the government. Uh, yes briefing session so if you haven't watched that so you can watch Mick uh, till uh, sort of eight till nine and then Larry and Paul nine till ten and I know what you mean about being able to join in actually yes. is is really really nice isn't it I mean I say I haven't done much I've got my routine so on Tuesday night I have karaoke oh, right how's that going well, we've been doing it now, what, eight weeks, and we've only just managed to sort out so all of us can hear the music, <laughs> you know, because on Zoom we have, you have the trouble. So, um, you know, it, it's, and um, we can't totally hear each other sing, but the thing is yeah. we, we're a group of friends who met through singing, so we all know each other singing very well, so we can yeah. imagine what it would be like. And then on Thursdays I have a, a ukulele lesson. All right. Yeah. George Formby. Yeah, did 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 So um so yeah, so I, I have to say I mean and that's my little sort of routine, you know, Sunday night 
family pub family quiz uh yeah so you know you kind of have your little routine don't you um yeah, yeah. yeah. so um but i haven't been I, haven't, I kind of got i know what you mean about a lot of the stuff that's been going live i think I, it's kind of been wasted on me because i got to a point where i just thought i can't take any more of this online stuff when you've been online all day for work yeah you know um which both of us have been working really hard through this um the last thing I want to do is sit on my laptop online. Yeah, and uh, 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 sort of listen to music, yeah, or, or listen to stuff like that. It, it, has, it has been a sort of, uh, yeah, it is a real challenge, and it's looking for little sort of snippets that get you through it, and that's why the, 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 the sort of acoustic things, you know, people like Rosie, uh, or people like, you know, as I say, Mick Artistic, it was his birthday the other week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. But he, he has been sort of, uh, he's been great, really, sort of supporting people. We got, to put, we, got to, got bit, we got to put a little bit of Mick on because he's such a good sort of, uh, you know, he, he's such a, he's so innovative. Loved by Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop's one of his fans. I know we, I think we mentioned him last time. But we did. I think we talked about him. I'm just trying to think. What the thing that's so difficult with uh, Mick Artistic is finding one that kind of is a good. It's so difficult to explain what he's like. So, uh, tell you what, we've got one here, uh, a cheap watch from the market. We'll, uh, oh, yes, yes. we'll have a little bit of this one. Uh, as I say, I, I, I don't know whether you get a sense of what he's like. Anyway, the thing of is, it's very difficult to just pick a little snippet of a song with Mick Artistic. But yeah, it was his birthday. Um, so yeah, and uh, Kaiser Chiefs are doing a gig on Friday night, I think. How are they? Oh, yeah, because I was supposed to be going to see them very soon as well. So they're doing one. It's either Friday or Saturday. They did a lockdown. They did their. Um, they did a lockdown version of their uh, song, didn't it? Was it? Yeah, they did. They were one of the first actually to do some stuff. They and it came out really early on. Um, they were one of the first bands. So they did. Um, they did actually uh, a, a comedy. Well, they, they had some funny lines in it. A comedy version of "Oh my God, I've never been this much stayed at home this long." Sort of "Oh my God, I can't believe it. I never stayed." Do, <laughs> much, do you know how that before. came about? I, 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 bizarrely enough, that came about that that actual track because um, somebody, uh, Chris Moyles, who, who, who's Radio X show, uh, I, I listened to it for, but he was asking. I think he was asking for sort of song versions or, or what it would be, and somebody tweeted in, "What about that?" And he thought that was uh, he thought that was such a good idea that that sort of thing that so he tweeted. He's good mates with the Al Qaeda mm. so he sort of tweeted it out or, or he messaged them. And they really liked it. And lo and behold, within a week, they'd actually sort of recorded it. Well, there you go. Here we go. There's a million miles of here, somewhere unfamiliar. Thursday, dropping for the NHS. Stop, then the weekend, sitting in the park, spreading pathogen, running around, like a nonsense. 
Even had a Joe Exotic reference in it, didn't it? <laughs> Growing your hair out like Joe Exotic. It was uh, it, it was really dumb. It, it's funny because you you know like going back to stuff we've done in the lockdown. It just reminded me that that was a really good example. What I've done, I've ordered from an artist in the states. Would you believe? I I've ordered a, a uh, mask, uh, you know, for a PP mask of the cover of XTC's. Drums and wires. Wow. So I'm really looking forward to that. So obviously, you know, I don't know whether I'll get 10 feet tall or real by real or, or like, you know, all those sort of uh, what are the What other songs are on that album then? Making Plans for Nigel, 10 feet tall and real by real. Making Plans for Nigel would be a good one to play, I think. If we yeah. Yeah. Oh, we talked about XTC on the last one, didn't we? We in the last yeah, podcast, really. Yeah. Uh... So, so yeah, it was just by chance to say the drums and wire, the drums and wire sort of thing is such an iconic piece. It's funny as well going back to what I was talking about on the. Uh, the single Sundays, we, we had a brief discussion saying, do you still, do, do you either leave on the price tag from, from the <laughs> album that you've got or take it off? And I said, it leave, I, I think it's best to leave it on because it's a little bit of personal memory. It, it attaches it. So how much was that one then? Well, well, to be honest, that's the interesting thing. This was category B. So in the shop, it was, it was, it just, it's just got a letter, letter a little yellow sticker. Knowing that, that was category B, which meant it fell into the, I think it was the £2.49 section uh, of an LP. But going, I mean, you know, that's what I say. I was looking at the two sort of, um, you know, vinyls that are posted today, and one of them was 25p, and the Elvis Costello Clubland uh, was oh, What a track. Like that. I know, just a beautiful piece of music. But that was £1.49, the Clubland version that I've got, which is quite... Uh, which for that time was quite a lot of money. Well, listen, because we, we are sort of coming up towards the end, I think we'll play out with Clubland, but I don't think we've talked about Elvis Costello on this podcast yet. So let's just have a bit of a chat about Elvis Costello, because really, I mean, you know, I can't believe we haven't talked about him. I mean, in terms of how important he is to music. And, um, you know, I can't believe we haven't talked about him. And, and he, you know, right iconically you know as i say i think I, you know I, i've seen him a few times live and the last time i saw him live uh, when I saw, I saw him we saw him at the royal albert hall and he did one number post the 11 o'clock curfew and he stood in the middle of the royal albert hall and just in an acoustic uh i think it was uh, um trump the you know like trump the dirt yeah, shut the dirt down I think that was the last thing he did. And Wasn't that about Margaret Thatcher, that song? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm. But just the fact that he did it, you know, without the sort of mics on, without the, you know, the speakers, 
and everyone for the very last, the only time I've been to a place where all the last numbers was just deathly quiet. No one was cheering so that everybody could hear this version of him doing it without any mics, any speakers or anything. Oh, he's, he, he's amazing. He's amazing. I'd love to have met him. Well, our good friend Martin Kellner's met, uh, met uh, Costello. So he met him at a wedding and he said he was too embarrassed to go up and sort of speak to him. <laughs> I can understand that. I mean, obviously, you know, Elvis Costello, so influential, uh, so many amazing stuff. And also so many different kind of reinventions of himself, didn't he? Yes. You know, yes. and in a way that didn't seem crap. Because actually, a lot of the time, I really hate it when bands kind of totally change music or, you know, I, I find that really frustrating. But with Elvis Costello, it always just felt kind of quite right and natural about the evolution and where he got to, you know. Oh, no, he, 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 he as you say, he kept reinventing himself, you know, like the, the sort of get happy piece where he... he he was great. He did the Costello show. He's, he's done so many brilliant pieces of music, you know? Absolutely. Ama just, just amazing, really. Just fabulous, fabulous stuff, really, yeah. Um, so maybe we'll play out with a bit of Clubland. So what's your favourite, then? What's your favourite Elvis Costello song? Oh, gosh. Oh, he wrote Girls Talk, and I love that. Uh, I like from a whisper to a scream. A, a whisper to a scream, scream. with Glenn Tilbrook. Tilbrook, God, I haven't heard that for years. Oh, I love that! What a lovely piece of music. I, I've got so many. It would be a different time, you know. It would be uh, "Can't Stand Up for Falling Down." Uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Just, just so many. Uh, you know, ask me next. Ask me next time. We have a different piece. But, Okay, well, yeah, well, maybe we will, we will talk about Elvis Costello another time then. I mean, this isn't one of his songs as well, but I do. Oh, God, I love Good Year for the Roses. Oh, I have yeah, to yeah, say, yeah. I mean, that is just, again, his singing on that. Yeah. His singing, his emotion is just sublime, you know, it really oh, is. Wonderful, yeah. Of course, he was married to, what do you call her out, the Pogues, wasn't he? Um, Caitlin, Caitlin O'Reardon, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah was that her yeah. name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some weird, some really bizarre thing about 10 years ago where somebody, it was one of those kind of like spoof shows where someone had persuaded him to pretend to be a pharmacist. Honestly. <laughs> and, and somebody else went in, they filmed it. You know, those, you know, sort of like, um, what do they used to call that show that was on, it, not um, on the Saturday Camden. night? Camden, yeah, Camden. That, it was... Game for, good for laugh, Game for a Laugh, something like that. Or, was it Game for a Laugh? It was one, you know, one of those, yeah, the sort yeah. of American, the British yeah. version of Candid Camera. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they managed to persuade, and, and this person recognised him, and he was going, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a new career now, I've trained as a pharmacist. It was the most bizarre thing, and he completely, he completely, uh, he totally uh, managed to pull it off. So we'll play out with a little bit of Elvis Costello, and then we'll, we'll catch up whenever we can next time yeah, for another yeah. that'd be good yeah and we'll try and get Eddie along as well to try and get some more stories yeah yeah okay then well here's a bit of the club land of Elvis Costello we'll see you next time there's a piece of soul, I 